0: Hello Christ Church and everyone joining us today, an especially warm welcome if you are new here. Please do get in touch with us. Uh, We are here to help one another explore and deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ and in turn make passionate disciples for him. How often do people say, oh the news is all so dreadful, so horrible, I don't switch it on anymore. And occasionally, and particularly in August, when there's a lull in newsworthy material, reporters have to resort to unearthing unusual stories. Well, I wonder if it was a bit like that in the days of Noah, where the headlines would have read something like this. Angry mob causes violence of every kind in the city. Corruption tears through the heart of government. Man constructs enormous boat hundreds of miles from the nearest sea reporting he has received instructions from God. Being human in a God-shaped world is our new sermon series and we'll ask of the text three questions. What does this tell us about the human characters? What does it tell us about God and the world that he intends for us? And what does this say to us in our walk with Jesus today? So whilst our passage appears to focus on one man, Noah, these chapters are set in the much wider context of what was going on with humanity in general. And to answer this first question, let's look at the passage. We find that um, we are now nine generations on from Adam, And since that initial breaking of their trust in God, as they believed the lies and made the choice to take control, things have substantially deteriorated. And these first chapters of Genesis trace the downward spiral of their choices and its consequences. So that now, here in Genesis 6, just before the start of our reading today, human evil was out of control, it says. People thought evil, they imagined evil, evil from morning to night. The earth had become corrupt because everyone on earth had corrupted their ways and as a result the world was filled with violence because of them. Violence in thought, in word and in action. Evil with its ripple effects was now having colossal impact on Adam and Eve's descendants and on all the earth. Each person made corrupt choices resulting for themselves in self-harm or violent crime against other people. So that is the bleak situation the humans have ended up in. And I guess if we were the creator Would we now not be pressing the delete button, checking how to erase all files relating to humans? But let's look at it from the lens of our second question. What about God and the world that he intends? Well, the text tells us. First, that God saw how great the wickedness of humans was. He saw all the corruption and that the earth was full of violence. God saw all that was going on. And we read, the Lord regretted that he'd ever made human beings. And his heart was deeply troubled. Just shows you our actions can deeply trouble the Lord. Secondly, God not only sees how evil um, people have become, but he takes action to not let his good creation self-destruct nor wickedness run rampant without judgment being made. God wants to wipe the files marked human completely. But God saw Noah, Noah whom he created and by his grace made righteous in order to provide someone to keep his promise alive, his promise that ultimately a child from the line of Eve would one day not fall under the curse of sin and death, but would defeat it. And we see this promise is still being worked out when Noah finds favour in God's eyes. So rather than delete, God decides to reboot and so he acts. And the first thing that he does is he speaks directly to Noah. He's to build this very large ark, not only for Noah, but his family as well, and pairs of every kind of creature. God gives him precise building plans, including a comprehensive list of materials to use. He tells him of the ventilation system to put in place and where exactly to site the door having recently had reason to visit our local Swedish DIY retailer. I think I'd far rather have had God's clear plans rather than the mysterious A4 sketch and two lines in multiple languages stretching right across the page, which I'm sure must ultimately all translators good luck. God tells Noah as well what he is going to do. And fourthly, we see that God is a personal God and in the midst of these plans he draws near to Noah and promises to establish a covenant with him, and by extension with all his family. And additionally, God affirms Noah by telling him that he is doing life the way God intended for humans to live, the way which will give Noah a hope and a future. Fifthly, the scripture succinctly says, God remembered Noah. In other words, sealed in the ark by God throughout the time of the flood, Noah is tenderly watched over for all the 371 days that he is there inside the ark. And because of God's watchfulness, he sent a wind over all the earth to disperse the floodwaters. A wake-up call. God responds to Noah's worship by blessing the whole family and commissioning them to once again be fruitful, increase and fill the earth. And he adds a life clause that for the taking of a human life, there will be consequences. And finally, God establishes his covenant with Noah and with every living creature with him. That never again will waters become a universal flood to destroy all life. And that every rainbow will be to God a reminder of his covenant with every living creature. So far we've looked at the human situation, the violence, the corruption. We note God's actions, but also God's judgment in bringing the flood. Now let's take our third question. What has this got to do with us today and our walk with Jesus, perhaps here in Pearlie or wherever we are? Because I know that we are all sorts of people. Perhaps today you are here for that one thing that is going to make the difference, all the difference that you need. Well, I have just three takeaways for us today from this text. In the context of violence and unrest, as well as floods of grief, of pain, anxiety, loss, and even death, I want us to focus for a moment on the ark. You see, in the Garden of Eden, there was the tree. In Noah's day, there was the wooden ark. In Jesus' day. And for us now, there is the word of the cross. So the first thing I want us to take away is God is offering us the choice. It's the choice to be covered or not. And it's always been the same. Will we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, the one that God has sent, and follow him into life, life now in all its fullness, and life after life in the new kingdom, where sin, violence, corruption and death is no more. The ark, you see, was a place of complete refuge and safety provided by God, not just for Noah, but all of his family who by faith followed him in. They chose to go into the ark, but it was God who sealed them safely in. You see, the ark is a powerful picture of Jesus Christ in whom salvation would come to everyone who believed in him. Jesus, like the ark, would one day be lifted high above the floodwaters of our sin and corruption on the wood of a Roman cross to endure the full wrath of God instead of us. The ark had to be entered by the door and it was Jesus who said I am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved so by putting our trust in Jesus we like Noah and his family are rescued and it's Jesus finished work which seals us in so tomorrow uh, whether we're at home at work at school or wherever we find ourselves, what might it look like for me and for you to make choices which follow Jesus into the ark and into life rather than choices which leave him out and ultimately leave us out of his kingdom? His invitation today is extended to every single one of us His new life is a gift which we simply come and receive, but come to him we must. And my second takeaway, Noah showed us how to live courageously and faithfully in obedience to God's commands, and especially in the face of a culture which was spiraling downwards in ever progressive circles so that what was abnormal or abhorrent one day becomes acceptable the next. Noah showed them a radically different way. And he undoubtedly attracted not only a good deal of jokes about inland shipbuilding, but no doubt outrageous opposition and outrage towards him, towards God as well. today though people will still ridicule the account of Noah. Jesus affirmed the reality of the days of Noah when he compared them to the times that we're living in now. Ben Sixsmith, a journalist writing in The Spectator said, I'm not religious so it's not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and shouldn't believe. Still if someone has faith still has If someone has a faith worth following I feel it that their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so because if they share 90% of my lifestyle and values then there's nothing especially inspiring about them instead of making me want to become more like them it looks very much like they want to become more like me that's incredible I think what Ben is saying is the world needs you and me to be knowers, people who listen to God, believe and obey him and his unchanging word, living unafraid, courageous lives, faithful to him, rather than as afraid people who try to fit in with culture, which will always be moving in progressive ways away from faithfulness to God. Imagine with me the impact of all of us as Jesus' apprentices, living and speaking more and more like the Christ we follow. And our third and final takeaway I want to share. As God established his faithfulness to Noah and all his descendants in a covenant of grace and mercy, he called them as he calls us. To be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth with image-bearing worshippers. A task which is made possible only by the grace of God filling us. You see, to be fruitful speaks to me about all of us as disciples for Christ, being intent about sowing seeds of the fruit of his spirit into the lives of all of those around us. But also being content that it is God who will cause each seed at just the right time and in his perfect way to burst into life and to multiply. Imagine with me how different our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays will look as we pray each morning and ask God to help us liberally sow his seeds of kingdom transformation, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Making the ordinary extraordinary, the hopeless hopeful, the worried peaceful and the unloved loved. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, that you give us a choice, a choice to follow you into life. Help us to choose your life, that we lay down our lives to pick up your life in all its fullness. And Lord, we ask you for courage and faithfulness to obey you each and every day in everything that we do. Would you inspire us as well to sow seeds, liberally seeds of the fruit of your spirit with whoever you put across our paths and in whatever circumstances or situation we find ourselves so that your transformation would bring flourishing in every corner of life on earth. And we ask this in your mighty name, Jesus and all for your glory. Amen.